Good morning. Welcome to Apostles Houston. I'm Lead Pastor David Cumby. If you're worshiping with us for the first time today, I'm so glad you've chosen to join us online. You know, last week I took a little bit of time and shared really some things I think God is inviting us into and challenging us with. It comes down to this question. What kind of church will apostles be? Um, In this season uh, and really beyond, I think God is calling us to do some self-examination. Uh, really to, to consider some things that maybe we need to repent of and some things we need to refocus on in terms of his mission. And, and he wants to lead us in some new and exciting ways. And so specifically, I think in this window of time during the pandemic, uh, really as he's got us in our homes, in our neighborhoods, it's a chance for us to think and to pray and to be creative about what does it mean to be the church right where I live. And so I'm excited for us to talk about that more in the weeks and months ahead. But this morning, I wanted to take a little more time and and focus in on uh, these questions about race and justice and the church. And and in particular, because we've got friends uh, here, our friends Derek and and Fasayo, who are sharing from their hearts, but also because of just what continues to go on in our nation. And so I know this is not something we can deal with in in a couple of sermons or I can share uh, really effectively in just a few minutes Uh, But I did want to take just a few moments and share a couple of foundational truths that I think can really guide us as a church. And what I would say right now is it's it's hard to deny that our nation has a problem. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, But I think the question then becomes, where will we as the church turn for answers to that problem? My concern right now is that is that the church might get caught up in in all kinds of ideologies and philosophies and politics uh, rather than looking where we need to look for the answers, which is, is to God's word, to the scriptures, to the Bible. And so we're, we may be spending lots of time on podcasts and newscasts and social media, hearing lots of voices, but are we hearing God's voice right now? Because when it comes to justice, when it comes to things like reconciliation, we as God's church, I think, need to be following him in this and not following uh, other voices. And so as followers of Jesus, we, we need to look to God and, and we need to ask for his direction and his truth. We need to look to the gospel for our definitions of justice and reconciliation. I think today is just an opportunity for us to look really quickly at those two things, justice and reconciliation. I want us to ask, what is justice? And then look and see what scripture says. And what is reconciliation? And ask what the Bible says. So first, what is justice? I think we can all say, of course, we all want justice in the world. But then what exactly is justice and how is it achieved? You know, the term social justice in my lifetime has become very prevalent in our culture. And I think many of us use that term, and I've used that term, and support many of the things uh, that that encompasses. But I think, again, it, it begs the question, what exactly is social justice and what does it mean? In our day, social justice um, has come to have a particular meaning. And, and I'm kind of putting this together from lots of different sources that I looked at over the week. But I would say maybe this is a helpful way to define social justice in our culture. Uh, social justice is the redistribution of, of wealth, of opportunities, of privilege to disadvantaged groups to achieve social and economic equality. And so, again, there's many things in there that are good, but I think we have to ask, what then is God's definition of justice? 
that we hold up next to that. Just a few passages of scripture. Isaiah 117 says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless and, and uh, care to the widow's cause. Psalm 37:27 says, turn from evil and do good because the Lord loves the just. It says in Micah 6, 8, he's told you, oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Your God. And then Colossians 3.25, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. In other words, God is just, and he will carry out his justice. It, it, it means that God is a good and perfect and loving God, and injustice is evil and part of a fallen world. It is sin. This just God who loves and seeks justice, he judges what is evil and what is sinful in the world. And so that means as followers of Jesus, we too must be people of justice. We must seek what is good. We must turn away from, repent from what is wrong, what is sinful, what is unjust. It's not optional for us as followers of Jesus. In other words, to seek what is just is to seek what is in line with God's character and his will. And so we're called to be for justice, that justice, God's justice towards all humanity. And so holding up these two definitions, I think it highlights some differences. Um, Because social justice, by definition, it provides for a plurality of understandings and applications of justice that are actually untethered from God's definition of justice. Social justice can and often becomes a, a way to leverage for particular groups Uh, agendas, not God's agenda. And so it can be abused in that way. And I'll give you an example. So when it comes to abortion, the right of the unborn is a justice issue. It is a social justice issue. That couldn't be clear. And yet social justice as a movement in our country doesn't advocate for the unborn. It actually advocates for the right to kill that child. And so my point is this, that we can say we are seeking justice. We can say that with other people and actually mean very different things. And so we need to think carefully about what we mean when we say justice. Because we may not mean what others mean as those who are following Jesus. And when it comes to racial inequality, um, it's clear, I think it's clear that we have systemic and personal race injustice in our nation. But the social justice solution, um, as I've defined social justice, the problem there is it ultimately ends up pitting one group against another group, even uh, at times pitting disadvantaged groups against other disadvantaged groups. Why? Uh, Because it's not ultimately about justice as God defines it. It's not rooted in God's will and character. It's ultimately about power and resources. And so it, it can take on this naturalistic worldview that says there is only so much, in other words, to go around. If I have, then you don't have. If you have, I don't have. Uh, it quickly becomes a, a world made up of groups who are exclusively defined as perpetrators or victims. It assumes scarcity, in other words, not abundance. It deconstructs 
and then has a difficult time rebuilding or restoring because it actually fosters competition. It fosters guilt and blame and accuses and cancels other people. And so I would say social justice isn't justice if, by social justice, what we're talking about is something that doesn't seek to bring uh, things in the world into line with God's character and will. Because God is a God of justice, and we are God's people. And so as a church, we must do justice. God's justice, it, it sees creation as this expression of God's goodness and abundant blessing, not a dog-eat-dog world. God's justice, it sees human beings ultimately as brothers and sisters created in the image of God. Justice that sees all human beings as fallen and flawed and in need of God's grace and forgiveness. Justice that sees the cross as the ultimate expression of love and justice. Justice that sees Jesus as the judged and the judge who took our place on the cross because of our injustice and our sin. And then finally, justice that moves us in humility to love and to serve and to mutually submit and to sacrifice for the good of my brothers and sisters because they too are made in God's image. Our world needs justice. It needs that kind of justice, God's justice. And so we as a church need to be vocal and active and prayerful out of a faithful obedience to Jesus, our King. And the truth is, too often we have not been. We have not taken up the cause of justice. We've not sown justice, we've sown division. And we've not acted in line with his character and with his will. We've been blind to sin or silent on injustice. And we need to repent. Because God is calling us to be a people of justice because he is a God of justice. So I think that's a helpful way to think about justice. And then the second question is this, what is reconciliation? Reconciliation is God's idea. Ephesians 2, 14 through 16 tells us that, that in Jesus, God has created one new humanity out of the two, making peace and reconciling both of us to God through the cross by which he's put to death our hostility. So here's something um, that I think we have to understand as followers of Jesus, that race itself is actually a socially artificial construct. It is not a biblical construct. There are not races, in other words, in the Bible. There is the human race. Uh, and so this becomes self-evident when you begin to really kind of dive in and try to figure out where does one race end and one race begin? When is someone white enough to be counted white or black enough to be counted black? There's an arbitrary sense to the idea of race. In fact, the Bible actually talks about ethnicity, but not race. Ethne in the Bible means a group of people who are, are kind of uh, share various cultural and physical and geographical ties. Another way to think about this is that in the Bible, there's no black Adam and Eve and white Adam and Eve and brown Adam and Eve. There is Adam and Eve. There is one humanity. We are descendants of, of God's created ones. And Genesis 1, 26, 27 tells us that, that he created us all, all of us in God's image, male and female, he created us. And so the Bible is telling us at the deepest, most important level, at the level that really matters, that as uniquely and beautifully diverse as we look, you and I, whether we're black or brown or white, are the same. We are created in the image of God. And we, the human race, then, uh, were actually 
divided into two groups, is what Ephesians 2 tells us, by God's design, the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews were his chosen people, inheritors of the law and the promises of God. They were to stand as a living testimony as God's people to the world of his love for the world. Gentiles, on the other hand, uh, were all those who were not Jewish. So no matter what color of skin you have, no matter where you're from, that's us if you're not Jewish. And all of us, Paul says in Ephesians 2, all of us Gentiles were separated from, the, from Christ, excluded from citizenship and Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. In other words, what Paul is telling us is there's hostility that exists in the world. Between Jews and Gentiles, there's division, but also between Jews and God and between Gentiles and God. And the miracle that Paul celebrates here is that in Jesus, we who were apart and we who were once far off have been brought near. Through Jesus' victory on the cross, we have all been reconciled, it says, not only to God, but to one another. We have been reconciled. I want us to hear that. We have been reconciled by the cross, by the blood of Jesus. Not by guilt, not by shame, not by social science, not by revolution, not by retribution. Reconciled by the blood of Christ to him and to one another. In other words, because of Jesus, we are reconciled. There is peace. We have been made one, one race, one family in Christ. And so what is reconciliation in the Bible? It's what God has already done for us in Jesus. It has been done. And now our call is to live into that truth, to live into that reality, to live that out as his family, as his people. One of the things that was so encouraging to me this week uh, is I got an email uh, from a Hispanic member of our community who said that they felt so welcomed and loved by our church family. And and I was really encouraged by that. But then she went on to say that, um, that... what she didn't want, what she, she never wanted anyone in our community uh, of any color to ever feel guilty because they looked on a person of a different color. And I think what she was getting at is that what she loves about apostles and what she cherishes about God's church is that to be the church is to be family. Not a project, not an agenda item, not a poster child. She said, I want to be Um, part of God's people in Christ. I'm a part of this family. And so when we've been reconciled in Christ, the question is, will we see each other that way? Because that's what's happened. We've been reconciled. And so as members of God's family, uh, we can can see each other that way. And even to those beyond uh, the church, the question is, do we see them as prodigals uh, that the Father is longing to see uh, come home? That's reconciliation, what Jesus has already accomplished for us. And so the church um, has something. This is what that means. It means the church has something that our city and our nation are dying to find, true unity and reconciliation in Jesus, a way of reconciliation that ends hostility without obliterating the diversity, but celebrates it as expressions of the image of God in one family because we've been reconciled by the blood of Jesus. There's so much more to be said. And I want to encourage us uh, by God's grace and in the power of his spirit to 
to press into this, to look at Scripture and understand what God is teaching us and to live out God's justice and, and, and light of the reconciliation he's already accomplished in his son Jesus. And so let's, let's dig in, let's look to God in his word, let's look to the life of Jesus, and let's walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, right now I'm really excited because we get to hear from our good friends Derek and Fasayo as they come and just share their heart and share how really this gospel is shaping the way they think about race and justice and reconciliation. And so I I hope you really enjoy this conversation. few weeks, our country has been wrestling again with this deep wound of, of racism and injustice in our country. And so we wanted to take a few minutes this morning and just really have a time of conversation about these issues. And I'm excited and really grateful um, to welcome some good friends, uh, Fasayo Delano, who's a member of our community here at Apostles and serves on our leadership council. And then also uh, Good friend, new friend, uh, but a pastor planning a church here in town, Derek Smith. Thank you all both so much for, for being here this morning. And I just, I, I want to say a special thank you because I know um, uh, there's a cost for you all to talk about these things. These are, these are personal conversations for you all, not just a, an issue. And so uh, thank you all for being willing to, thank you. to be here today. Um, maybe to start off with, you know, I think we've all seen... Um, you know, these, these heartbreaking and horrible videos, uh, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and, and, and others. Um, and I would, I would love to just hear, you know, in light of that, riots, hundreds of thousands of people peacefully protesting across the country. What are your thoughts? Just generally, like how have you felt and thought as you've seen this unfold? The sad, the sad thing about a lot of this is that... Um, I'm not surprised about when everything started, when Ahmad um, was killed, unfortunately, when George was killed. There was no surprise. There was only just sadness. There was um, some anger, but it's something that I know so well. There's something that you, is almost becomes a day-to-day. Uh, I think it's sadly gotten to the point that sometimes you kind of have to think oh wow, it's been a couple months since we've seen something. Mm-hmm. Maybe things are getting, oh no, maybe let's reset the clock, mm-hmm. I reset the timer. And mm-hmm. I'm not surprised about how vast the reaction has been, mainly because I feel that lately in the past six, seven years, um, there has been um, peaceful protests, there has mm-hmm. been mainly individuals trying their best to get this word out and it's been largely ignored. It's been put aside, like, let me watch my show, let me watch my game, Um, this is not the place for that, I'm uncomfortable. And when you go so long just ignoring someone, eventually they will get louder and louder. Hopefully this time people will listen and hopefully this time something will take root. For me, it's you're, you're, you're constantly wondering 
when is it going to end? When is someone going, when, when, when are we going to see as a nation that this is, this is not right, this is unacceptable? Why are, why are we still living in what I call the 51st state of the United States, the state of denial? So the, it, it's been that fatigue and you're wearied and you're, you're angry and you feel like, you know, this could still happen to me. Mm. You know, that, that's what you see. This, that, that could easily happen to me. Mm. You, you don't have to be in an urban setting for that to happen. Mm. Um, and so those are the feelings, those are the emotions that I have experienced and work through when these things happen. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you all so much for, for sharing that. And I, I think I re- it's really helpful. Um, Along those lines, you know, this, the word racism itself um, mm-hmm. gets used in our culture. And, and I think it, it gets used, and it's one of those words that it gets used, and maybe the question is, well, what do we mean mm-hmm. when we say racism? Mm-hmm. Um, and especially as followers of Jesus um, and as black men, I would, I would love to hear, like, how would you define racism? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then how have you experienced that personally? Mm-hmm. For me, racism is a multi-tier thing. We, we all have this bad habit of thinking of the extremes, of thinking of George, of thinking of what happened to Ahmad, of um, the, using like, you know, the N-word and things like that. Mm. We go to those extremes, but racism is way more subtle at that at its mm-hmm. base. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I think the dictionarial definition of racism is thinking you're superior to another race, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's what it is. I think racism is just you separating yourself from another race, mm-hmm. um, whether you think you're superior or inferior, because inferiority also causes anger. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how I truly do believe racism is. And as a, um, a Christian and a believer in Christ, we're all brothers, we're all siblings, like we're mm-hmm. all together. Just the mere fact that you think someone is different from you and you want to separate them, whether it's superior, whether it's inferior, whether you just don't mm-hmm. like just don't like them, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what it is. And th- that literally speaks against um, everything that we're taught, mm-hmm. like here in church, everything we read in the Bible, like that is the antithesis of that. And yeah. so yeah. to me, that's my definition. When, when I think of racism, there's so, there can be so much nuance to that. If I was trying to explain it to my seven-year-old daughter, Morgan, I would say racism is when someone thinks that their different is better than your different. In my hometown, there was this uh, wholesale store that we could go to. I was either preteen or in my early teens. And so we went down to get some things. And my grandmother gave the, um, the guy at the register, an older white guy, she gave him the money. And when he uh, gave the change, he just slammed it down on the counter. I was so angry Mm. because I knew Mm. what that was. Mm -hmm. And and I looked at my grandmother and my grandmother, my grandmother wasn't an old woman. Mm. I said, Mama. Mm. And because in my teenage mind, I know what this is, and, mm. and, and we are not, this is not happening. Yeah. And she says, Derek, it's okay. Mm. Hmm. 
And she just scraped the money off of the counter and put it in her purse. Mm -hmm. But I was livid. Mm -hmm. And I, I still am yeah. because I remember it so well. Yeah. That experience of I'm not putting your money in your hand. Right. You're going to get it off this counter. Right. The, the disrespect, yep. the disregard. To me, that's racism. When you think your different is superior to my different. Right. And so you don't see me made in the image of God just like you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fasai, do you want to share any instances? Because I, th I think it's so helpful yeah. to hear like an actual moment like that where, to your point, it's, it's not a big thing, mm -mm. but it's incredibly dehumanizing. Absolutely. Right? It's, it's yeah. denying exactly what you just said, right. that you and I are both made in the image of That's God. Correct. Somehow I'm more right. and you are less. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, have, I've, unfortunately, I have quite a few, but I was in college, heading to school. I got put over for speeding, which I was. <laughs> I, I'm going to um, fess up to that. And the cop was coming, and this is, again, you know, almost 15 years ago. So my car had the manual windows. And the cop is coming, and so I'm about to wear down my windows, and he immediately pulls his gun out, points it right at me. Of course, I, I'm lucky he doesn't, you know, come, he doesn't pull the trigger. I raise my hands real quick. I motion that I need to do that. He nods, doesn't put the gun away. It's still pointing at me. I roll it down. I ask him, like, you know, hey, officer, what's wrong? Because gotten. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, he's like, is this your car? I was like, yes, sir. It was my car. I bought it. I just got home. Mm -hmm. I got a bar when I go, I'm driving home. He's like, you sure? You sure you didn't steal it? I'm like, sir, run my records. Mm -hmm. Look at my, you know, here's my driver's license. Here is the insurance card that has my name on it. Mm -hmm. wow. Like, it's my car. He's like, all right, let me double check and make sure. Comes back, looks at me, gives me my ticket, walks away. Yeah. And to me, that experience is why all this stuff, whenever people are like, this doesn't happen, this is where mm. like, it happened to me. Oh, yeah. I was probably a hit, I'm literally a hair trigger away from mm. being one of those stories. Mm. Um, actually, that was back wow. then, so there's no one to record it, so I probably would have been one of the nameless people mm. that you never knew happened. Right. Um, so I always, t I do tell those people, people that say, whenever I hear any pushback of this doesn't really happen, right. yeah. it's rare. I'm like, no, it does happen. Yeah. A lot of us are lucky and but a lot amen. of us don't talk about it, right. but yeah. right. it does happen. Amen. Yeah, yeah. And it happens to a lot more people than you amen. think about. Amen. Mm. That's right. I think that's, again, that's so helpful because I think it, it is something that, you know, I think many people think like, oh, here's a few mm -hmm. bad incidents, right. but it's not really something that happens anymore, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I've just, I've heard so many stories, especially the last two weeks, talking with people and listening that have similar things. I mean, mm -hmm. from small to, to right. what you just described. Right. Um, as followers of Jesus, one of the things that, um, that is true in our lives is that the gospel um, uh, guides us, speaks into our life and our reality, and it affirms what is good and it challenges Amen. what is not right, right. for all of us. Mm -hmm. And I think right now there's there's clearly a problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so I'm not speaking to people who are explicitly racist. Right. I'm talking to people who would say, yeah, there's something wrong mm -hmm. here, right? right. Um, and so I think 
from that point of agreement, then there is a diversity of response. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the solution, right? Mm -hmm. So my question is, as followers of Jesus, how does the gospel maybe inform for you uh, a response to what you just described mm -hmm. as your experience and for the, the, the wider black mm -hmm. experience in America? The easy answer, and almost like the Bible, the Sunday school answer is, you know, love your brothers, love your sisters, and love everybody, and be forgiving, and, and all that. That is obvious, and that's the foundation, but there's a lot of things you can do through love that is also very much walking um, down the line of Christ-like. I think we've gotten to the point that it is not okay to just smile, bring it, and ignore it. Like, right. you have to confront it. You have to say it's not okay. We have to do our best to prove to people that what you're doing is not okay and what you're doing is to stop, and we need to be more vocal about it, mm -hmm. and we need to stop it in its tracks. I think, for me, we need to be aware of our worldview. Mm. You've got to go back to Genesis 1, 26, 27, and recognize and acknowledge that people of color are made in the image of God. And that's very important. In our history in the United States, where African-Americans were declared three-fiths of, of a man. Mm. So we got to go back and deal with our worldview and recognizing all people as made in the image of God. Mm. Then you can come to Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 through 40, loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and loving your neighbor as yourself. And what are the implications, the imperatives and the implications of that? What does that look like in my context? Mm -hmm. And then Galatians 6, 2, learn Learning to bear one another's burdens, incarnating. Mm -hmm. It's not enough to be non-racist. We mm -hmm. must be anti-racist. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? What can I do? What can I do in my sphere of influence yeah. to make a difference, to be salt, to be light, and to be loving? Mm -hmm. That's how a believer, that's how a disciple thinks. Then I make the gospel three-dimensional. Instead of it being theoretical and philosophical, it's enough with philosophical Christianity. We need some rubber meets the road Christianity. You have to put your worldview on trial. Who am I getting my worldview? Do I have a secular worldview and I go to church? Or do I have a biblical worldview and then I use it as the filter through which I see everything else? Yeah, yeah I love that. Put, putting it through the lens of scripture. That's right. First. First. So what is justice? What is Amen. reconciliation? These That's are right. questions we take to Scripture. Absolutely. And let Scripture reveal Amen. those places where we need to live that out. Absolutely. And we are not That's right. to repentance, but Amen. also where it says, yes, Amen. this is just and That's this right. is good. And we know that because God's Word That's tells right. us that. That has to be the place. Yeah, yeah. That has to be the place. That's awesome. Absolutely. So this is a huge challenge. Okay. Um, you know, history tells us that. Mm -hmm. uh, our own hearts tell us that. Mm -hmm. And I've spoken with, with friends of color this past few weeks who expressed, I think, some of what you all, just a fatigue, mm -hmm. uh, and even to the point of just some cynicism. Mm -hmm. Like this, Lord, will this ever change? You we'll know? And, uh, and then I've spoken with, um, with friends, uh, white friends, who um, would say, man, I see this. 
I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to navigate this. Um, but I, I feel like I should do something, but what do I do? Um, and I know there's, there's unhelpful things that we could do, and there's helpful things we could do. And then Scripture guiding us in that. But maybe if each of you could speak to that. Like, what would you say man, is a helpful and, and biblical response? What can we do right now in response to this? The first thing, honestly, is that it's... We need empathy, not sympathy. Mm-hmm. The big difference is sympathy is like, I feel sad for you. Mm-hmm. Like, but empathy, I feel your pain. And just as we mentioned, we're all brothers. We'll all love each other as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, if you love yourself, you know yourself. You know who you are. Mm-hmm. You know um, your steps. You know everything. So if you're going to love someone else, you need to know who that person is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One of the blessings we have is that we live in Houston. And you mentioned it earlier. Houston doesn't really have a culture because there's so many different cultures. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. so many opportunities for people to go out and experience. And it's not just um, the black community. We right. have Greek, we have Spanish, we have Absolutely. Chinese, we have everything here. Right. Also, just talk to people. Absolutely. Talk yeah. to people about their day-to-day lives. Talk mm-hmm. to people about their culture. Mm-hmm. Um, people have different events, like how do you do a wedding versus how I do a wedding, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so just gaining that sympathy and understanding of someone else mm-hmm. alone just helps curve that separation, helps yeah. lower that bar that makes you think that you're better than someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, as we mentioned earlier, is don't let it pass by. Mm-hmm. It's gotten to the point that we have to stand up for it. Mm-hmm. This is no longer the time of just doing that like, okay, that's racist, and then you just walk the other right, way. Right. It, now is the time for you to say, no, that's yeah. not okay to say that. Absolutely. We need to stop that. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's, those two things are the best mm-hmm. example I could think of. Mm-hmm. Because if we kill it at its foundation, if mm-hmm. we kill it behind closed doors, mm-hmm. it will never really come out to light. Mm-hmm. My mind always goes back to Peter Scazzaro, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, where he talks about incarnating. Mm-hmm. And one thing we don't do well as human beings is allow ourselves to walk in other people's shoes mm-hmm. uh, because that gets us out of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But we've got to do that to grow. To me, a lot of it boils down to maturity. See, the, the reason why people have gotten have these off-colored conversations and off-colored jokes and can do silly things, even university presidents in this country have done silly, that, co- that, go- that, go- that boils down to their level of maturity. Mm. And these are Christian people, mm. you know, and so we've got to hold each other accountable. And the scriptures require us to do that. Right. And we do need to have the conversations like we're doing now. This takes a lot of courage and guts for a church to be doing this, for a mm-hmm. pastor be, to be doing this. Mm-hmm. It's going to take our spiritual leaders mm-hmm. speaking with moral authority mm-hmm. to this issue. When grown-ups come to the table yeah. and we lay our ideologies and political positions at the door mm-hmm. and gather around, this is what God's word says and this is what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I think even people that don't follow Jesus Christ will be attracted to mm-hmm. even the scent, the aroma yeah. of what Christ can do yes. when believers say, you know what, this, it's not enough to be 
non-racist. We're anti-racist. Mm -hmm. And this is what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Just because you have a black friend or I have a white friend doesn't, doesn't mean a hill of beans if I, don't, if I don't spend time talking with them and learning and understanding mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. I think that yeah. when we start on that trajectory, we'll be well on our way. Yeah. And it's a great time to do it. Yeah. It's so helpful to, again, just to come back to, it's the gospel. It's Jesus that makes us Absolutely. able to have those kinds of conversations Amen. in a way that, you know, Ephesians 2 says that the wall of hostility between us That's has torn. been broken That's down right. by the cross, by Amen. the blood of the cross. And that because of that, we are now one. Where the two, the two men have become one, one in right. Jesus, which means that the conversations you're talking about are family conversations. Yeah, amen. Right? So amen. when we talk to each other, you know, when, when, when I say something offends you or you say something offends me, amen. we have a family conversation right. about it. That's right? right. And so. And we it, disagree, but we don't fall out. Right. Right. Yeah. Just like <laughs> my wife and I, we That's have disagreements, right. but amen. we stay married. That's right. Right. Amen. Same. That's right. Same. We That's are in a right. covenant relationship amen. as family amen. and we need to talk about this. And then I think even beyond that, Seeing, seeing those outside the church as the prodigals mm. who the father longs to see Amen. return home. And so we love them with Amen. the same love, right? right? It's I directed agree. outwardly, but Amen. we love them in the same way. And That's so I right. think conversations there are possible Amen. also. So. Amen. I couldn't agree. That's great. true. This is a great time to be the church. Mm. Amen. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. this is a great yeah. time to be the church yeah. because, because over the last 50 years, hmm. our witness has been so compromised and yea, even damaged. Hmm. And it's the church's responsibility to, to say, listen, there are, a, there are a myriad of alternative truths out there that you're hearing, but there's only one truth. And for us, truth is not a concept. Truth is a person. Mm -hmm. His name is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And he became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Mm -hmm. And when we communicate that gospel and say, listen, we, we look different on the outside, mm -hmm. but on the inside, we're in the same shape, brother. Mm. We're in the same shape, sister. And so when we start speaking that kind of, spewing that kind of truth and dropping that down, <laughs> I think that's what makes mm. the difference. Mm -hmm. But this is a great time to be the church. Thank you all so much. Thank this has been this is great. And I really, again, I just can't thank you all enough for being thank willing the church to, family. This is to share. Yeah, this yeah. has been a gift, gift for us. So thank you all. Again, I'm just so grateful for Derek and Visayo being willing to share this morning, both from their experiences and also just how the gospel shapes the way they think about issues of race and justice and what it means to be the church. So I hope it was encouraging for you. and just want to, again, challenge us to continue to press into this and ask these questions and really seek to live out as the church God's call for us uh, to justice and reconciliation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God of justice. We thank you that through Jesus and the blood he shed on the cross, we have been reconciled to you and to one another. And so would you help us to live that out, to be a people of justice and to be a people who live as family? as those who have been reconciled and made one. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be the church. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.